Hello and welcome back to Bendability with me, Emmett Lewis, the Splits Wizard. Uh, first off, you know, thank you for joining in. Took a week off last week. Just giving us a bit of a summer holiday, you know how it is. And we are back. So, uh, thanks everyone as usual for all your comments, feedbacks, likes. Awesome to get them. And just keep them rolling in as you go. Uh, this week I decided to do... Yeah, I decided just to basically look into the equipment we need for effective range of motion development, flexibility or mobility training. And it's one of these things I always think there's a, in every kind of discipline we do, every kind of training discipline or other stuff, there is, there is taught knowledge and then there is assumed knowledge. And this is the kind of thing is like, oh, we pick up, we get shown certain things and but then also we pick up things via the training environment and you know these things do affect us but they're also how we do our training now it's kind of you know how to describe it it's one of these things like if i take an athlete who's trained at sort of say rugby player or something i say okay i want you to go squat and you're going to do sets of five and you're going to work an rpe of seven so then we have made the assumption that one, this person knows what a squat rack is, what a squat is, that I mean a barbell squat, not a dumbbell squat or something else, because there's no prefix before it. We have made the assumption that this person knows how to put plates on, knows how to put the plates on correctly, knows how to select the weights and knows how to use a safety rack and how to set the bars to the right height. We know this person then knows, oh, what the RPE scale is. All this kind of assumed knowledge. They, but a lot of it also comes from like the, a lot of, so that, this is all stuff that can be taught, but other stuff will be learned by experience. Like, oh, the floor is wet at the squat rack, so it feels unsafe, so then I will do something else. Oh, it's better at the squat rack, even if I'm using it all correctly, to face away from the distracting people in the gym and face towards a blank wall or maybe i like facing the people to get you know these kind of things and get a boost off this but in range of motion development training we just basically there's a lot of equipment we need and a lot of people just either don't know what it is what it does or you know how to set it up or what makes it effective so today i'm just going to talk about equipment I'm going to talk about a bit about why you would use it and some of the techniques that you might use it. And hopefully then we're beginning to get like a broader picture of what's going on. This is the kind of point of this series. I'm trying to give a broad picture, get consistent definitions and terminology, and then we can really start going properly deep. So other than that, let's uh, welcome to uh, my shop. If you're watching on YouTube, I've uh, set up in my lovely sitting room to have a bit more space to flash some equipment around. And it's basically a case of a Khajiit has wares if you have coin for all you nerds out there. So the first thing you really need for effective range of motion development training is the right footwear. And what I mean by this is you need a pair of Feiyus. Don't ask me why you need these, but you need them. Uh, let's just face it. So you need footwear, obviously, or maybe no, you don't. You don't need footwear. It's not actually relevant. But this will come back to my next piece of equipment point is it's kind of like Feus are a very useful pair of shoes. They kind of they got into the movement thing. And I think it came up from a double whammy of one parkour people being a bit in the early days of parkour looking, going through a lot of footwear and needing very cheap footwear. And let's face it, Feus like 
now they're a bit more expensive, but when I was first buying them, like they're eight euros a pair, they're up to about 15, 16 now. And then there's a couple of companies that are kind of rebranding Feiyu's and there's a fake Feiyu as well that bought the name in Europe and yeah, it's all terrible. But anyway, it's just a cheap pair of footwear. And like, let's face it, a lot of the early movement adopters also picked up on them. Why? Because they spent most of their money on online coaching with Edo Portal and workshops and they were, you know, need to save money where you can. Uh, my own other personal type of, I do like Feiyu's, I use them a lot for training. They are very handy and they are very good that you can get them trashed and other stuff. The other thing is like, I actually worked this out. I do like Vivo Barefoot as a type of shoe. They're very nice. Not all of the models are great, but I do like them. And I kind of worked it out actually that the amount of Feiyu's you go through per annum works out at about the same price as a cost of Vivo Barefoot, which lasts about three or four months longer on average. So if you, it's kind of the Sam Vines poverty problem if people are familiar with uh, Discworld and those books where he has this kind of, if you can afford a very good pair of boots, they will last longer. And you actually know, I have one pair of, uh, one pair of Vivos that I have for eight years now and they have not fallen apart. And I've walked up and down mountains, volcanoes and everything with them, so thing. Uh, they were very expensive at the time, but uh, they have lasted. They've lasted longer than any of the Vivos I have, or not Vivos, Feiyu's, where I seem to probably get about two or three months out of a pair of Feiyu's before it gets the Feiyu out, and then it's kind of indoor training only. Anyway, so that's just a bit of economics on the Feiyu's, but what is nice about Feiyu's is the soles kind of break into the training environment you train in. And if you train in a lot of environments, it's not not going to get the same thing, but they kind of, if you're constantly training on AstroTurf, they break into that and get worn down in a way that is conducive to our training. They have this kind of bump that kind of flattens out depending on the make of them as well. There is different makes of Feiyu's. It is kind of a licensing thing. There's one with the green triangle or the red circle or other stuff. The soles will break down in different ways. Some of the export ones, some of the not, the home market ones, whatever but they kind of get nicer in the training environment if you use them per training environment. This might lead up that you will have like one pair that you use outdoors and one pair that you use indoors and stick with that and don't change them around. And they actually get nicer and more used to the environment as I've said multiple times. But what it comes down to is kind of tied into our next piece of equipment is when we are doing range of motion training, range of motion development training in all kinds of things, one of the things we need to be able to consistently do in a controlled manner that makes us feel safe is reduce or increase the amount of friction on the surface we are trying to slide on. And we need various means of doing this. So we have our Feiyu's with the rubber shoes. We have our shoes, basically shoes, what can, can provide us with grip. We have a different combination where you need to become a connoisseur of floor surfaces and combinations. They have like, oh, a wooden floor, and if my feet are sweaty, I'm used to sliding this, and that's okay. Or if my feet are too sweaty and the floor is more polished, oh, I need a way to increase the resistance there or increase the friction so I don't feel like I'm gonna to slide too fast. It also leads into, we need the humble slider floor slider now i got a set of these from uh, tumble track that's t-u-m-b-l-t-r-a-k i like them they have lasted me i've had them about 10 years now and they are still in perfect condition and i've used them in uh training environments coaching environments all over the place and they are very good 
So they also cost about 15 euros, whereas if you to buy a pair of valve slides or something, they're probably up to 60, 70 euros. You can also use furniture sliders, which are one of these things that, uh, yeah, I think a lot of people would say to do, and they work out probably cheaper. You can buy packs of them for different costs. The problem is, and I'll explain in a second, with the furniture slider, it is completely flat on the bottom. Whereas with these tumble track ones, if you can see on the video, it is kind of, it's kind of dome shaped on all things, on all angles. And this means that it just, it kind of, if there's any unevenness on your floor surface, or if you're sliding on mats or other stuff, it means that sink into the mat of the unevenness, you can kind of bump over it. Whereas with the other ones, the edge will catch on and then you might flip off it. At the same time, the shape of this is very nice in terms of foot shape. It fits my foot nicely. I've got a big foot but it's also I can place my foot on it selectively and know I can slide out to the certain depth I want and then slip my foot off it very easily to then use the slide to help get me there and then put the brakes on. This kind of idea of having a floor surface where you're in control or you are sliding in a way that you want to get the right intensity of stretch is incredibly important. A simple example of this would be doing a bridge Oh, I'm doing a bridge. I want to push my chest over my hands, but then when I push through the ball of my feet, the socks I'm using on this floor slide out and don't allow me to grab onto the floor to actually move the chest. So these kind of considerations need to go in. Oh, I am performing Cossack squats. Uh, as I go down into the bottom of the Cossack squat, I don't want to feel my heel slide out further, which will help me fall off balance. So all these things kind of apply to it. Oh, I'm, you know, I'm really stiff and I really just want to slide in and relax into the stretch. But as I go into my middle splits and I reach the end of the thing, the end of it, the force vector of me sliding the legs laterally doesn't actually slide easy enough. So I need to reduce the friction that just jams my head of my trochanter into my tip, into my pelvis, and it just doesn't feel nice. And that stops me enjoying the stretch and getting the most out of it or being able to breathe properly. So these kind of ideas of becoming a connoisseur of floor surface and having ways to alter your floor friction surface, either to provide more resistance, less resistance or resistance that you can control. This is what I kind of like about the phases. Like it's quite easy to kind of shimmy and slide on them. But then when you need to apply for say an isometric stretch or hold a position, you can. Whereas other shoes, not always. At the same time, something what has something that has a a more tight toe configuration and tight thing that doesn't allow the foot to articulate. Something say like an Olympic lifting shoe. Sometimes they can lock the foot down. So you might be trying to keep the foot in a certain way or point or flex it. This is the other thing when we consider on on footwear, is if it has a kind of a non-round edge on it. It can be quite difficult to apply kind of contractions where we are flexing or pointing the foot or everting or inverting the foot or pronating, supinating, whatever we're trying to do with the foot, which can aid and benefit a lot of the positions we want to do. This can be difficult. And having something that allows it an unrestricted range of motion in the foot can be very beneficial. It can also be like, obviously barefoot is the best thing. Ballet slippers are pretty good for this, but at the same time, they may not have the right friction for the floor surface we want. And this is what we're getting at. So first kind of tools, ways to control, reduce and increase 
the friction of the surface we may or may not be sliding on. Next tool up. This is one everyone needs to buy for all stages of their training, whether you're beginner or advanced. Uh, hold up my set to the camera. You need a set of ankle weights. Uh, the thing with ankle weights is you need the right set of ankle weights. And what I'm really saying is you need a way to tie weight onto your extremities. And I have these set of ankle weights or wrist weights, whatever you want to call them. They are adjustable and trying to find a set that are adjustable is better. The ones I have go up to, I think it's, yeah, whatever, eight kilos or something. And they're adjustable in half kilo increments. So these are super useful. You want ones that have good basic Velcro that will stay in place and not slide up and down. You don't want to get the ones that are set weight. You, it is better value in the short and long term just to spend, I think these have cost me 50, 60 euros, they're not a lot, but you will use them for a very long time. They're very heavy duty. Whereas if you had to buy like a set, like a one kilo fix set and it's not really there. Your other option is if you are tight in cash, but if you have a set of rings, is you can just basically put weights through a ring strap and strap them, crank them on to your limbs that way. It will work, it's slightly uncomfortable, but there is a way to do it. But what you want is basically, we want to be able to make our legs and arms heavier. That's what it comes down to. Let's just say it as it is. So obviously I could hold dumbbells with my hands and that will work but I can't hold them with my feet. Though you can a little bit with kettlebells in some positions, but these just take like, if you're doing side split flies or split flies or kicks and other stuff and you've got weights on, the kettlebell will come off at certain points or will feel like it's gonna come off. That will inhibit your motion. With the weights and with them nicely strapped on, they feel very comforting. They feel like, okay, nothing is gonna happen. Nothing's gonna slip off. I can just get on and do my exercise. So that is what we're looking for, is we really want a nice set of wrist or ankle weights. They're immensely useful. At the same time, they can be used for other things as well. I don't know, uh, air boxing, because everyone likes to box holding weights and be cool that way. Uh, anyway, so what you want as well is adjustable. You want a way that they can be incremented up in about, you know, it would be better like, my ones are 500 gram increments, which is a bit too much some, for some exercises. You might want to actually have ones that increment 250 grams. If you could get that, that would be better, but you've got to work with what you can get. Uh, other than that, as I said, I really like these ones because they are not so padded, but they're adjustable and they go up quite heavy. And that's the kind of thing is like everything's oh, ankle weights, oh, one or two kilos, no, no. Eventually you will be using 10 kilos on your legs and stuff like this, 16. You know, this kind of thing, like I've even had people doing 20 kilo ductor flies. So, you know, bear with it. Kind of leads on to our next thing is we need, and I haven't, I'm not going to bother to hold these up. Uh, we need weights. We need a way of applying resistance to the body. This could be done with a partner. So you need to keep a partner in your gym bag and pull them out whenever you want them to do this and go, hey, apply the exact amount of weight we want them to me. Or you need some resistance. And this is kind of what people don't get to in stretching a lot of the time is we need an effective loading to actually initiate what we want to be changing and just to do it all with body weight it what is possible a lot of time it's just not a lot of time depending on people's training history particularly people have like a history of resistance training 
then the loading they get from body weight is insufficient to actually initiate a change. So what we need is a selection of resistance. We need dumbbells, you know, dumbbells, we could do everything with dumbbells. You don't need anything else other than a nice set of adjustable dumbbells. Obviously access to a full gym is perfectly nice. And obviously barbells, plates and machines and cable things, they're also nice as well, but they would play a role either on we are changing an exercise to something that is a beyond end range training exercise or an end range training exercise. So we have to think about those terms as well. They mean different things. And just think about that. And this is the kind of thing. So when we have resistance, then we can apply the protocols of resistance training, linear progression over time, increase either volume, frequency, intensity. Beyond range training, we are basically using this concept to expand the potential of the organism with the minimum amount of weight possible to then implement strength training with it, if it makes sense. And sometimes they coincide. But at the end of the day, they will follow a kind of linear progression, either in depth or increase of weight. And you need some way of incrementing the weight. Kettlebells, generally, because the increments are not smooth, this is the kind of thing, unless you have a full set of kettlebells going up on one kilo, they're not smooth and they generally are ineffective. Not ineffective, they're very effective. They're just, they don't offer us the precision and control. And if you're fitting out a perfect gym for range of motion training, then you need a... Uh, you need a bit more control, but if all you got is kettlebells, then that's all fine. It's, they will work. It's just uh, jumping eight, four to eight kilos sometimes can be a lot in these exercises. Uh, our next thing up, we need the humble stopwatch. Yes, the stopwatch is one way of basically timing ourselves. And what we need more effectively, more so than anything else, is something with a big display that isn't our phone because our phone ends up getting notifications and it's not easy to hit the button on it. And what I want is just like literally your track field coach from high school, stereotype whistle and stopwatch that has a big ass button, a big display and does nothing else. And this is like, let's just say, okay, I'm doing an ISO front split or an also ISO side split, I don't want to be, it could be taking me a minute to get into that position. By that time, most people's phone lock screen would have locked down. Maybe not if you have yours adjusted, but a lot of time it will be. And then you won't be able to just go and you have to fiddle around and you're just getting less effective. Stopwatch, one function only, hit the big button, done. It also means that if you get into a situation where your phone locks or gets a notification or a phone call, then you can just ignore it and keep looking at your time. It's one of these things that is very underrated. I know some people use a metronome and as an online coach, there was a big trend of people doing metronomes. Oh my God, I, I suffered so bad with the beep. Please don't do that to your online coach. Please mute your videos if you have an online coach and want to use a metronome. It's fine if you want to use it, but no, stopwatch display, easy to read, one function only. What did these cost? Like a couple of dollars? Dollars? Yes, I'm in dollars now. I'm in the Eurozone, but a couple of euros, boom, done. This one, the battery, I haven't even had to change the battery ever on it. I've had it for like four or five years now. So you need your stopwatch. You need to be able to hit the button fast. And then the stop button doesn't matter so much. You just want a big start button because then you can see the time, big display, done, out of my position. You want it to be able to be readable and not do anything weird. This is the other thing with phones, like, oh, I'm trying to, suddenly I turn upside down or it goes sideways. 
and my screen rotates and I can't read it properly. Ignore. Also, you're videoing yourself with your phone to check your form all the time. Uh, next up, we need the humble foam block. A tool that is called a yoga block, but is a foam block. You know, I think these were originally in gymnastics and Pilates before they became yoga blocks. Open the correction on that one, but I do think that. Uh, anyway, we need the blocks. One, what we're actually talking about is we need a way of raising and lowering the floor surface to either make contact points with our limbs or contact points with our hands or support points where we can actually reduce our own body weight by taking the weight into our hands. So it's transferring the load from the limbs that are working the legs, say, to the arms or vice versa or reducing leverage. This is what these blocks do. Uh, the foam blocks are very interesting because we use them as a training tool in the modern methods of mobility a lot to provide when we're doing an isometric. Uh, the reason we would use a foam block versus say a hard block is the foam block has a bit of give to it, it has a bit of squeeze. And what this means is that if I'm doing a compression isometric, then if I compress, say I'm doing a side bend in a pancake and I put the block in, I have a contact point where I go, okay, it's making contact with my fort rib and I know next set I'll try to go a bit deeper. But at the same time, there can be this idea, if you're going too deep, you won't feel the block squish when you apply an isometric. So what you're applying, you're applying difference from an overcoming isometric to a concentric quasi isometric. And we want to if we're doing an overcoming isometric, we want to do an overcoming isometric. If we're doing a concentric quasi-isometric, we want to do that. If we're doing a vector-assisted, we want to do this. So the squish on the block gives you the feedback that like, okay, I feel the block bending underneath me. I can feel it actually warping and deforming. This means that I have set up the block at the right height. I can pull myself deeper and press against it in such a way that I am achieving an effective isometric. At the same time, they only squish a limited amount well, they could probably squish infinitely if you were had a hydraulic press, but I don't. I am a hydraulic press. Uh, but they would basically give us just enough feedback to know that we are effectively applying an isometric, where versus being too squishy and they just then we're not doing an effective isometric. We're doing some weird kind of taffy-related uh, concentric, concentric quasi-isometric, blah blah blah. So this is kind of useful. At the same time, because they're squishy, they're a bit more comfortable. If I'm doing a split and I'm putting it under my crotch or putting it somewhere to sit on to do a more relaxed position, having these ones with no corners or made of foam is just a bit more comfortable than having something solid. The other thing I like about these blocks versus say a rolled up mat or something is because they are adjustable. We have our three sides. We have the narrow side, the wider side, the big side, and the fat side, blah, blah, blah. This means that we can also have a bit of a success moment when they're going, doing side splits and I'm doing them to blocks. Uh, my calves are now touching the, the long bit. Okay, cool. Two weeks later, oh, they're touching the more narrow bit. Ah, oh, they're touching the flat block. Blah, okay, now I can move it up to my inner ties and I can repeat the process this way. So it gives us a sense of linearity to our stretching results. And this can be very useful. It's the same with like doing bridges. I'm doing a bridge, I'm putting my hands on blocks. I can now walk my feet in so they're 50 centimeters from the hands and my hands are elevated one block. I'll go up two blocks, my feet and hands are now 70 centimeters apart. I will compress further, 50 centimeters, boom, increase. Uh, you know, it's not a precise science. 
but it's definitely a way of like having a definite level of scaling and other stuff that is very nice that can be a bit difficult to achieve with the idea of blocks for also effective range of motion training we need some way of raising and lowering the floor and what i mean by this is the simple plyometric boxes are these wooden boxes or gym benches or my favorite actually is the stackable horses they have in gymnastic halls we have the horses that are not you can use them for vaulting but they're not the triangle ones they're the ones that are straight up and they have very well they slot together very nicely take them apart and they're very useful this is very useful because it is narrow enough that we can put our hands on it at the same time we can yeah have our hands basically a handstand width we can also use the length we can also go on and off them with our torso or legs if we're doing something like back extension or development work that way same time being able to raise and lower them more precisely is a bit better these ones are generally about like if i remember right 16 inches so having something in between that as well is very useful and we want to be able to do this one because let's say we were working jefferson curls let's say we can't touch our toes and we get to the point where i can't touch my toes and i'm holding weight and now going to the floor is ineffective and i need to go deeper so we need to be able to raise ourselves up it's the same with training bridge i want to get to a point where i can train a bridge so i start with my feet elevated bridge techniques so i will do all them up to the point where okay i can now perform a good bridge and here's a very good tip for you if you're training feet elevated bridge what i do to decide whether i'm ready to work on the floor or not i generally have people always just work at the same set height and not really reduce down incrementally you just basically work that till you feel you're getting a good position or you feel you have a good significant change in your position i then grab a very useful tool which i haven't got with me called a pencil you may have heard of them and i will hold a fixture a freeze frame on a video and i'll connect the hands and the feet with the pencil and then i'll tilt it so the pencil is level with the ground once the pencil is level with the ground i will look at the bridge and go does that look like a bridge to me or does it look like it will yeah what's a reverse bridge whatever does it look like it will cross a body of water it does it is a bridge i tell the person try it on the floor and just push and then most of the time people will be able to replicate it on the floor and they'll be like oh it still does working up so high how did you know that's how i knew so it's a very useful technique and uh, get yourself a pencil they're very very interesting very advanced devices uh, other than that the next kind of thing we need is a selection of bands now i'm going to hold up a few bands the first one we need that most people don't really know about in the kind of circles i'm talking about is the long teraband now you would have probably come across these if you go to physio and they generally hand them out like free what we would use these for a lot of time in kicking exercises eventually we want to be able to train this end range pull beyond where we're going and this is where kicking gets effective we use this a lot in rhythmic gymnastics as the main kind of thing ballistic kicking exercises and it is one of those things that there's a lot of studies on this like having girls have 10 15 degree increases in jumping split leaps in six weeks from this kind of training which is immense when you're thinking the level they're operating they're operating senior level so having these kind of ideas and what you need to do is find to tie a loop into them tie a loop in the end so you can put it around your foot tie it in and have it at roughly the max distance of your split or if you're kicking you can adjust it so you will stand on it that it will come on hard at the last kind of 10 percent of the kick and then you'll be called kick through the band kick through the band and then let it pull you down kick through the band 
This is a form of accommodating resistance, similar to what we have in other stuff, but it applies to these kind of kicking drills. And this is one of the big secrets on how rhythmic gymnastics, or not really a secret, everyone in rhythmic gymnastics knows about it. And there's even specific bands you can buy that will uh, have the foot loops in them. But a tube or a roll of this is cheap as fuck. So get it and then apply it to your kicking, all your kind of drills like that. Obviously you could probably do it with a cable station. This is one of the ones you can do anywhere. A cable station, you would need cables, set up and other kind of pulley systems, which is also effective. This is basically gold. It's also very useful if you want to be doing running, jumping and split leap drills, which are always a bit out of fashion. But at the same time, these are very, very useful. And a form of plyometric stretching as well, if we think about it that way. Uh, the other kind of tool is the thicker band. So I have just a normal floss band here. These are very useful. The interesting thing about these kind of thicker bands, and I have a loop band, is the thicker bands are good for just kind of freestanding thing. If I wanted to do shoulder exercise like dislocates or pull-aparts or other kind of range of motion development exercises, they're quite nice. The other kind of thing is if I was doing upper body concentric quasi-isometric style exercises where I was pulling deeper into my own range, I can also set this up in a way that jams against the body. If you see what I'm doing here, I'm doing a rear delt movement, but then consistently pull against that. That will provide the overcoming isometric for this zone that I can then release the band very quickly and use the facilitated muscles to pull myself deeper. So very useful. Obviously you can't hold them with your feet, but maybe you can get your toes articulating a bit better. But at the same time, this is just one of the uses you could do with it. It's also like floss bands. We also have all the joint distraction and other stuff we could do with it. We'll talk about that some other time. Now, the other kind of thing is a loop band. What loop bands are, are very useful in terms of locking onto something and being able to adjust it up and down a pole to then provide some kind of vector force. It is providing force and the force is going in a direction that is not directly into gravity. So that's kind of what makes these interesting. It's like, oh, we're obviously, gravity is always pulling down. We throw up, gravity vomit, baby. Uh, but what we're looking at is, oh, I want to be able to pull backwards into extension with my arm. Okay, cool. How can I set that up? Oh, it's not really doing it. Oh, okay, cool. I can set it up with the band. Oh, I want to provide distraction. Now, personally, I'm kind of off a lot of these distract joint distraction techniques. They're very good for getting short-term change, but they don't really do it long-term for me. So we uh, basically would just work on this kind of idea that we have the loop band. And the loop band can be looped around things and provide the kind of force or vector we want to assist us or resist us in the right way. It always takes a bit of fiddling to get it set up, but once you have these kind of ideas set up, you can use them a lot. At the same time, they're portable. This is like what it comes down to, very portable, very useful. You could do the same with a pulley station, but once again, are you carrying a pulley station around? Not really. Uh, with the idea of our band, we also need something to attach the band on. Uh, what every home gym and gym needs is a set of stall bars. The interesting thing about stall bars is everyone spells them S-T-A-L-L. -L. Stall bar is named after someone whose name I can't remember. I think it was Ludwig Stahl, a Swedish guy anyway. And they are spelled S-T-A-H-L. So, correct your spelling. 
But anyway, the stall bars are one of these gymnastic things that are incredibly useful because they have bars on increments like a ladder, so the ladder bars for those you call them that. And if we're using our bands and we want attachment points to our bands, we have them. At the same time, one of the lesser known uses of them is your classic gym bench. Always has these kind of dangly metal things at the end of it. You probably wonder why it does when you're sitting in PE class at school going, what is this metal thing for? Is it a handle? No, not really. It is to hook onto the stall bar and then you can increment it up and do a lot of kind of reduced, if we think about we're doing like hanging leg raises or similar kind of exercises and this is the vertical diagonal, the vertical axis to gravity is the one that provides the most resistance. Well, we could do a steeper incline, which has less resistance and then work our way up. So this is one of the things that gets quite uh, useful about stall bars. At the same time, they're so useful for so many exercises. They're kind of underrated in terms of like how many different exercises that we can do for gymnastic training that we can do on these things. Everyone just uses them for leg lifts and hanging. There's so much more that can be done on it. We can do a lot of Maltese work, planche work, resistor, resistor work, press work, blah, blah, blah. There's so much more that can be done with them. They're very useful. Should probably do a video on all the things you can do on them, but maybe some other point. Uh, they also have the chance for the dream machine, the original dream machine, which is the pulley assisted. It's basically a gym bench that has pulleys that are attached to rings on it, what has a sliding thing. The sliding thing is incredibly useful because we can start getting high volume work in for pressing and ring type strength work, straight arm work, in a way that we can also incrementally control by increasing the leverage up or down. These are kind of out of favor. Every gym club kind of has one of these things lying around in the background or gathering dust and they're not used, but I think they're an underutilized resource. I think in terms of like if you have a spotter available and all the coaches and everyone knows at the spot, then they're, they are superfluous. But I think for the average home user who is kind of interested in bodyweight training, they're one of these very underutilized things or unknown about things. And to get one would be very useful. That's a bit of a side, we're going a bit off topic, but it is one of the uses of stall bars. A lot of uses of stall bars. We can also stretch off them. You can also stretch off your power rack as well, and other stuff, but they are very useful for getting these kind of elongation based, where you can elong in as well as get pulled down and through. Because we can also think of our lengthening vector doesn't, particularly when we get more advanced in pike and pancake and other stuff, the lengthening vector and the way we want to go is not just straightforward and it's not down. It's a combination of the two. But reaching between your legs and having your hands between your legs and your butt going down, you get that combination of two vectors, that pure rotation through that really will traction the hips into the position. So this is one of the advantages of stall bars for these kind of positions and for these kind of uh, things if you have them. So, have I covered every piece of equipment? I have not covered every piece of equipment because there's a lot more and there's a lot more that we can go into. Uh, but otherwise, these are the main sort of equipments and pieces that if you were to build a home gym or if you wanted to set up a new gym and go, what do I need? Everything I've covered in this covers a lot of all our main techniques and other stuff. At the same time, you could do a lot more and you could find a lot more other things that could be useful either to your own inventiveness or to other exercises we would demo over the next while. Uh, other than that, uh, if you are, yeah, I'm going to wrap it up there. If you have any questions, comments, queries, you know, hit me up with them, send them on Instagram, put them in the YouTube comments. Podcasts need comments, by the way, but uh, other than that, other than that uh, if you want to send me some voice questions, you can do that on anchor.fm. 
Uh, other than that, if you're interested in online coaching, we have online coaching available at modernmobility.com, focused mainly on all things flexibility and tailoring it to yourself. Uh, other than that, I've been the Splits Wizard, you've been great, and I will catch you next week.